0: All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? How's it going? Uh, you all right? Is my tone too chipper for the uh, pandemic situation? How 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 are you taking it? How's everything with you? How are the kids? How's how are you holding up? Are you supplies? The supplies okay? And it, like just a little bit of a, a hello to the people that are by themselves again. Um, I hope you you're all doing okay. I know there's some people that are trying to stay sober out there and they're getting into the uh, online meetings, I guess on the Zoom app, which I need to get uh, you know, stay in touch with people through this. Friends, family, check in as much as possible. There's no reason now not to text or call or FaceTime or Skype or Zoom your mom, your dad, your close friends. It's important when there's a lack of ability to to sort of touch and hug and, and socialize you, to, to do it somehow. It's important for people to listen to people, to talk to people, to feel like they're part of a people thing. If you don't do that, people start to lose their fucking minds. And certainly if you're putting the wrong shit into your brains while you're isolated, you're going to lose your fucking mind. I mean, it happened to about 35% of this population for what different reasons but isolation is something that was existed before this. There are a lot of people who are most of us are isolated in, in terms of how we live our lives in a way or else our worlds are fairly small. I mean there are people that have always worked from home. There are people that didn't have jobs to begin with who are who are shut-ins and at home. There are people that didn't even need to buy food because they'd stocked up on chips and soda and they're still you know they're they're locked in a room you know, spewing garbage online. That was before this. But isolation is a real problem. I think it's it's one of the issues What that, that so many people that we know and even people that we think might be intelligent can't quite wrap their brain around what's happening, but it's happening. I mean, I'm guilty of it, man. I mean, I'm not out in the world pretending like nothing's wrong, but I'm having a hard time wrapping my brain around the real destruction and pain and death and everything else and the lack of supplies and uh the hardships that that people are going through because of this thing because I'm sitting in my house I'm alone you know I read stuff I got an email last week from that woman in Italy but there's all of us live these you know sort of isolated you know insulated lives even when in, in when there's no pandemic and just to have a consciousness of this thing and you know i'm not being sort of it's not apocalyptic thinking it's not overreacting but it's we're we're in it man and i can't be too glib about it but whew, i just uh, i just hope people are taking care of themselves and more importantly um reaching out to people any way they can that that have been in their lives just to s- throw a line connect say hello and, you know, I'm going online. I'm doing stuff. You know, I'm playing my guitar on Instagram. You know, I'm trying to, it's not even have a life. I mean, there's a lot of what's happening now that used to be the way I lived, you know, as a young comic. You just sit around, write, and think all day and play guitar and nap and cook food. And I guess the point of this is I talked to my buddy Dave. And he was freaking out. He was in a rabbit hole of, uh, you know, symptoms and statistics and who gets what and what, you know, what are the outcome? It's bad. But you can't just sit there and defeat yourself. Do what you can do in the moment that you can do it for yourself and the people around you. And and don't make it worse than it already is. Just understand the reality. Understand your part in it or your place in the world. And, and try to live your life and, and be ready to be helpful or to run. <laughs> right? Where, though, huh? Where do you run from the bug? Dan Aykroyd is on the show today, and he's like a, one of those kind of, one of these guys about you know about the aliens. The aliens here. It's a coronavirus. These renegade strands of RNA looking for a partner to helix with. Ourselves. They're just, uh, they're not full bodies. They're just, uh, they just need to be full bodies, but they can only do it with ourselves. Virus. Virus. Also, sometimes the, the foundation of some relationships. I'm not a whole person until I glom onto you and use you to be a full person. To replicate myself and leave you a drained husk. <laughs> dark, dark, right? Dan Aykroyd is on the show. He was around, so I got to talk to him before the shit went down That uh, to the point where we couldn't leave. We don't know really what's going to happen in terms of that. I, I re- read the order from the L.A. Public Health Department. About what is and what isn't essential businesses. And in the media realm, podcasts are okay, sanctioned, essential. So, you know, we do have some episodes, uh, some interviews in the can, which we'll keep using. And I, I think I've got one or two interviews set up for the near future, but uh, I can offer a fairly safe space, just me. And I'm healthy, and I will sit six feet away from you. And I will, I have spray and wipes. So, If you come by yourself, we're good. We're golden. So we'll see what happens. If not, if people aren't going to come, we'll figure out another way. We'll figure out another way. But panic. So I had some panic. Everyone's having panic. Do we have it? Do we not have it? Am I just a carrier? Do I have it and it's not going? Is it not showing? Well, the testing, I don't have exact information on, on how they're prioritizing that. But it seems to be people who have been around, people who have confirmed it and I, I don't know. I just know there's not enough of them and it's a little chaotic and it's hard to stay isolated, but want to you know, check, you know, what if you need to go to the doctor? I know, but I've had panic. I've woken up like, why is my chest fucked up? Why do I, why is my chest heavy? Why can't I breathe? Right. And then I realized like, oh, that's what happens when I panic. But I also realized as some of you know, or remember when we, had a sponsor here that Everly Well did the uh, food sensitivity thing and it j- happened to be all the foods I was eating at that time like I had a, a high sensitivity to egg whites, I had moderate sensitivity to almonds and yogurt and kale and uh, cashews like all the healthy shit I was eating I had sensitivity to and right a, a week or so ago when this all started going down you know the stockpiling storing food I was like fuck it man you know, I, I'm not really allergic to this, anything. Those sensitivities were bullshit. I'm going to get kale, I'm going to get almonds, I'm going to get cashews. And sure enough, for the last week, I have had a little tightness in my chest. And uh, guess what's a symptom of allergies? Yep. I got no fever, got no other symptoms. And I didn't eat uh, almonds or any of them yesterday, and it feels better. And I've been hiking, and but uh, it is where I feel stress as well. You can manifest symptoms with your brain if you commit. With panic and fear and your brain, you know, you can focus and manifest almost all symptoms. So don't fuck your head like that, all right? Try to relax. I've been uh, writing a bit, actually not so much. I've been cooking a lot and I've been um, watching some movies I haven't seen, catching up on series, watched Cassavetti's movie last night, playing guitar spending time with my cats um, and talking to you and doing shit around the house and hoping for the best, but it's definitely a scary time. Definitely a scary time. And I had this thing happen, and it's been happening, and I need to fucking put it out there, and I don't even know if I can explain it properly, to be honest with you, because it makes me nervous. I don't know what it is or what to do about it okay i'm gonna try to lay it out because i tried to talk about it on tom sharpling came over and did a, a an episode of the best show in my driveway where he threw a cord out his window and i hooked up one of my mics and lynn shelton and myself um me and lynn shelton however the proper way to say that uh lynn shelton and i i don't Uh, Stood outside his car and and did an episode of that. And I tried to communicate exactly what I was feeling uh, to describe this phenomenon that's happening to me. It has to do with my phone and my brain. Okay, first off, I guess, like, have any of you had a a genuine out-of-body experience? Like a a near out-of-body experience where you may not have gotten far and you may not have gotten all the way out. But you just all of a sudden have this, a strange consciousness of your body as something other than you, I guess is the way to put it like that. You, you kind of like your brain sort of has a consciousness of the fact that it's just housed in this thing that moves. And that's the, the sort of feeling, you know, obviously the brain is in charge of the thing, but there is because the self Is housed in the brain or somewhere like that the self is sort of like wow i think i'm just gonna cut loose here do you know that feeling where yourself tries to cut loose from the body from the vessel or gets a little distance from it even almost leaves well my point is that that's the feeling i'm getting sometimes when i look at my phone too much if i'm just in my phone i'll all of a sudden realize like this like that my body is separate than me Uh, my brain and self is connected with the phone and somehow my hand is holding it but I've got nothing to do with that does that make sense it's happening a lot there's a sort of disassociation to it and it's sort of creeping me out it's sort of like this is the singularity it's happening to me personally can anyone is that making sense should I be concerned this is no time to go to the doctor to try to explain that phenomenon that I just tried to explain to you now is it no all right, well, look. Dan Aykroyd, uh, he's pre- he's always promoting his Crystal Head vodka line. He's also back as Ray Stantz in the upcoming Ghostbusters Afterlife. But he was one of the guys. He's one of the original guys. He's one of the original SNL guys. And And this is me talking to him. <laughs> Roll here or sure like, yeah let's well, do well, it well,
1: well let me know because i then i can formally uh let me say acknowledge where yeah. i am sure yeah uh we're on i love your location here in culver city <laughs> uh <laughs> thanks for sending the golf cart you know i'm just across the road here at sony at ghost co yeah the ivan reitman administered sure. ghost co yeah. and uh so uh, it was great to be uh, so close to the studio and get over here that way. Thanks. We took the tunnel uh, from the, the old Sony Columbia tunnel, the one that Harry, uh, what was his name, uh, Mayor, Louis oh, yeah. B. Mayor had. Yeah, sure. Uh, and we took the golf. We we'll try to make
0: to, it conv- convenient for you. Oh, wow, was so
1: great! I love that. Uh, and then you come here, and it's the old film tower, right, yeah. at Culver City. So we went up the elevator, yeah. and here we've got a beautiful view of the city and. Uh, what a spot.
0: Yeah, isn't it great? Yeah. Yeah, it's a no, You're the first guy to, to actually admit where we were. And uh, I, I, I try to keep it a secret, and
1: I appreciate I'm it. sorry, I knew this no, was a no. satellite no. to your I, real location, which, incidentally, folks, uh, I couldn't get to because uh, Mark came down you know for to see me I, yeah uh, and i was going to go up but you are in a missile silo in um yeah. that's right um, i think it's uh north dakota that's right yeah uh,
0: this is a uh, you know i come out here occasionally yeah. to uh to interview people and they let
1: me use this this is the only location i'll use this. i love the missile silo um you know my brother and i were looking sorry, to buy one yeah. it's beautiful man. yeah there's yeah. no missile in it but no but, but uh, it, it has the whole uh the tub the the, the tube and it's quiet uh, you know it's nice down there, oh, and yeah. uh,
0: you know it, it, we just got refrigeration working on a on a steady basis. Mm-hmm. You know? it, yeah. it was all
1: battery run initially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, th- you know this is where some some of us have to be in the world if we're talking about <laughs> things that matter. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's great to be with <laughs> you, man. Uh, you know, nice to be
0: with you. You know, you got uh, a lot of papers. You come prepared. You you, I, you you broke it down. What do you what do you got uh, on the papers? What, well, what's the plan? I, well, first
1: of all, seems I, like you planned more than me. You, you're a great uh, interviewer, mm. and uh, you know you interviewed Terry Gross, and I, I did I just. Well, I just kind of was curious because she got me to reveal secrets about myself. You know, she has that voice. Did she really? She did. Yeah, you know, like you know that I eat worms or whatever. Uh, what I, did I don't you eat know. fried worms. Well, uh, I don't know what I revealed, but you know, she yeah. she she really gets you mm. to talk about yourself and then you're introspective. And, you forget she's there. She's it's, not there. She's though.
0: unbelievable. She's uh, she's usually on uh satellites. You, yeah. you you didn't sit
1: with her, did you? No, no, no. You just you, you got you're sitting by I got, yourself. But she she put the
0: hypno coin on me and oh, yeah, she it's very, very hypnotic. Yeah. 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 And you, and if, if you listen to MPI, you're very used to her. Uh-huh, you're comforted yeah. by her mm. her presence in your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like it's happening.
1: Did she come into the studio? Oh, uh, no, here, I uh, I knew, I did
0: a weird uh not a weird gig, but it was when she... We did a live gig. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she chose me. She said she would do this radio. uh It was a, a radio benefit, I think, show. And she said if I interviewed her, she would do it. So it was actually live in front of about 2,000 people that we did it. Yeah, oh, neat. So oh, wow. it was tricky, you know. It was tricky because she's not really that type of show person. Yeah. And to sort of keep it candid and figure out a way in. Yeah. Uh, but at that point, that was several years ago. And I think it's still kind of like that. People know very little about her, so you could find a way. Mm -hmm. You know, there was gaps in the Mm -hmm. small amount of information Mm -hmm. that was available Mm -hmm. that would uh, sort of like what happened there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. What else she got the She's
1: buttoned up. you know, uh, but you she's a great man. You know, I think right. she's buttoned yeah. up on the radio, but she's a master broadcaster. There. Oh no, yeah. she's great. And yeah. you, you—it uh, seems
0: to me that uh, your <clears> life is—you have a, a, a sort of weird, deep respect for broadcasters.
1: Oh uh, well, <laughs> um, as a veteran of uh, 26 years of House of Blues radio hour, and my persona is Elwood Blues. Forgive me for the cheap Chicago accent, but yeah. really, you know, sure, I, I'm an adopted uh, son of that city, so <laughs> sure. I, I can do it from. Yeah, day, of that course. Day. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Elwood was on there on the radio. We had the House of Blues but when you, you were a kid,
0: it must have like something about it must have planted well, the seed what? or wired you that way. Well,
1: I don't know, man. You know, my dad. Gave my, he's He was 98 yesterday. Congratulations. My dad is an old engineer there, and, and, and I used to watch the black and white television, yeah. the, the, the uh, Ud Sullivan show, yeah. and so my dad one day, they, took, they chopped off the top of a hockey stick, yeah, and he, he took uh, a black uh, electrical tape, and he made it into a microphone. He put a little cord there, yeah. made it into a toy microphone, and gave it to me, and yeah. I started to imitate announcers and, yeah. and that one. I so just, that's you know, when it started. I was it did, yeah. You were, were the fascinated. Fascinating. I love the voices. I loved uh, all the impressionists that were on those shows. Could you, know? you do Ed Sullivan? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Too many people will remember this next gentleman who's been on the show so many times. <laughs> of course, tonight we have Wayne Schuster. You know, he was, was a uh, gossip columnist. It's, it's close to Nixon, isn't it? Well, down in here. Down in here. Yeah. <laughs> And I could say some uh, profanities, but I'm not gonna you can, you're allowed to here. uh Mr. Presley, so good to have you in the uh White House today. <laughs> Imagine when him <laughs> and Elvis <laughs> met, you know. Good but, to be here. But uh But it, it's just great uh, that you're gonna help with the drug effort. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no. Uh tonight, Pepper yeah. And uh the Flying Orlando's yeah, so so it, uh, it was you know, he was a he was a gossip columnist and there's a famous movie, you know yeah. it. Called um, you know sweet smell of success yes. Tony Curtis right and J.J. Uh, J, J. Hunsecker who played by Burt Lancaster well, that, Ed Sullivan uh, was the was the basis for that character was it He's, I thought he, it was the other guy uh, uh, Walter Winchell Walter yeah. Winchell yeah. Walter Winchell both of them kind of they really they were kind of muckraking b- gossip scandal guys but they par- parlayed their careers Winchell into a columnist of course very influential and then Ed Sullivan what? into the variety show host now when Winchell's memorabilia sold yeah no one bought it oh is that true did you know that they, I they, had no idea. His hat, his typewriters, his pencils. No one gave a shit. No one bought Walter Winchell's. <laughs> no one cared. What, what's Dan. that say about a tabloid reporter's life? I. It means people thought he was garbage in the... well, well, Walter Winchell had a spectacular voice, and you'll, yeah. you'll remember it from. In 1932, Elliot Ness and his Untouchables raided a warehouse on the north side of Chicago. <laughs> Frank Niddy was caught in, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Ness, and yeah. of course, Robert Stack. But when you,
0: you grew up, up, up in a, the back, Toronto,
1: uh, I was born in Ottawa, Canada, Yeah, uh, and I am a Canadian through and through. And here's how Canadian I am. I was born on July 1st. That's Canada. Day. Yeah. That's the Independence Day of Canada when we became a Dominion of the Crown. I was born a uh, grandson of a Royal Canadian Mounted Police Staff Sergeant. Did my you know him? My mother was French. I knew Eddie very well. And my uh, mother was French Canadian and my dad was a high Anglican English man. And so uh so he wasn't from quarters, Canada. He was no, he was from he was from uh Toronto, so sort of yeah. a wasp, so it was okay. kind of the French Catholic wasp uh, right. wasp marriage. French Catholic marries a wasp. Grew up and Catholic though? I was raised Catholic. My dad converted for my mom's family. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, he he I was at I was at my da- dad's baptism there him kneeling there on the and uh and also his confirmation that's a know, weird when moment when the bishop slapped them, right? yeah weird remember, moment remember uh, yeah, it was a weird moment the but bishop slaps you even as a grown man uh, uh, confirmation yes yeah you get the whack you know really i didn't yeah. know that of oh, the bishop and then and as a little kid you get the whack from the bishop really you know? oh
0: yeah and that's sort of like welcome
1: well yes because <laughs> you know you're being now the holy ghost is visiting you when you get mm. that whack you know? oh okay oh. right and some see some yeah. see the holy ghost as Did i you? do as i do today i see the flame every day every day every day i see the flame but my dad uh, was a very interesting man. He's, uh, he was an old uh, kind of tra- you know engineer, road engineer. What does that and, mean, uh, road engineer? What uh, he he built highways. Okay, yeah, he built highways. So he's
0: out in the uh, world with the uh, uh, the uh, navigating...
1: bulldozers. Uh, and uh, yes, he was he, he blew the top off a of granite mountain, hmm. and I watched him do that as a kid. You know, Re- had a great upbringing. So I'm very Canadian, born in Ottawa, capital city, grandson of a Maori. French Canadian mother, High Anglican wasp father. Brother, sister. Uh, I have a brother, Peter. Very funny. You'll know him uh, out there in the world as the Java junkie. Do you remember that uh, clip from SNL? Do. Yeah. Do remember that clip? Yeah. That great performance as a guy drinking coffee. Right. The film by Tom Schiller. Yeah. Schiller uh, is Schiller still around? I believe so. He's a director. Uh, he does uh, all kinds of stuff and commercials and uh, and short films. He was so brilliant, you know. So. so the My Catholic- brother's a Java junkie, yeah. So, and, I'm Canadian. I was born in Ottawa. But
0: the Catholic thing, like you mm. know, like how,
1: like how religious were you brought up? Pretty strict. Let me say, I went back as far as being an altar boy. that yeah. I had to get up at at seven and eight years old. I was getting on a bicycle. Yeah. And, and bicycling to the church. Yep. And serving mass. Mm. And then I went into. Uh, I was actually uh, hodwinkled uh, to go into uh, a seminary. I went mm. into. I was. Uh, I attended St. Pius X Minor Preparatory Seminary for Boys uh, in Ottawa. And were you was thinking there. about doing the uh, thing? Well, I'll, the interview was very interesting. We were with Father Lunny, a great uh, priest and a yeah. great mentor. Uh-huh. And my uh, mom and dad were sitting there with me. And yeah, Father yeah. Lunny looks at me and my dad. And mom wanted me to go to this Catholic school, not yeah. go to the public school. And he looks right. at me, he says, "Dan, uh, so you are here. You're considering a a vocation here. You you you'd like to join us." In our calling, and yeah. I, I uh, am my here's my response in yeah. front of my parents yeah. and father yeah. love, yeah. uh, when well, I see my mom wants me to go to the school and my dad it would relieve him because was on the way to work, he yeah. could drop me off. Yeah. And, oh yeah, yes, so yeah. you'd like to be a priest. yo, yeah. oh, wow. <laughs> so we did three three years of that, and uh, <laughs> yeah. it was a good uh, upbringing, and I learned a lot, and there were some terrific people there. At that school, uh, between 58 and 78, St. Pius had all boys there, and there 5,000 of us went through there. Guess how many became priests out of 5,000?
0: 400. Two. Two people? Two people. <laughs> so it was just a school. It was just an
1: education. <laughs> well, it was... It was an experience, you know. Um, I uh, So I was uh, pretty, you know, pretty Catholic there. But you all believed. The you believe. Well, I believe in I believe in the cosmic engineer. I believe, right. uh, I didn't buy a lot of the hoochie-boochie, but I think that the words of the Christ and the lessons the of hoo-ji-boo-ji. Christ, can be, uh, you know, could be... Yeah, there's some hoochie-boochie going along. There's centuries
0: of hoochie-boochie. I think my question, though, when I was thinking about you coming over was that I realized that if you have the the foundation of believing, the ability to suspend your disbelief and believe in God at Uh, any point in time in your life, mm -hmm. it kind of makes you vulnerable to believe in just about fucking anything.
1: Well, here's the thing. Uh, people do believe in anything. Uh, Catholics believe in the Virgin Mary. The Mormons believe in the Angel Marani and the Golden Plates and the Magic Spectacles. <laughs> the uh, scientists believe... In the underwear. Uh, they believe in... Yes. <laughs> and they believe... Uh, you know, the Scientologists believe in Zenu, the super god. And, you know, the the, uh, yeah. the in the Hindu right. religion, there's a belief of Vishnu. So, what my approach to it now is, okay, believe yeah. what you want. I am not here to question what you believe. If you believe... That there was a zinger up in the sky that hit the Virgin Mary and caused Christ to come into the world. And I say I'm a fan of Christ. I really am. A zinger. Uh, You know, if that zinger was true, then, you know, and you believe in that, fine. Uh, it's up. It's up to people to have their own beliefs, and not for me to question, and 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 really not for me to be questioned on my belief as a spiritualist. I am a spiritualist. I That's believe, an old. That's an old title, spiritualist. Well, it comes from basically the eighteen hundreds. Was it and, theosophy? Uh, was it a Blavatsky thing? That was. She definitely was a part of that movement. Yeah. absolutely. And it's a more of a. It's a belief that not only does the. Energy of the soul survived, but mm. the consciousness mm. su- survives after death. We're surrounded by him. Uh, Many I, consciousnesses. I, I think so. I think yeah. so. There was an old, uh, I got you my dad's book here, History of Ghosts. And
0: well, I, it was sort of interesting to me that you come from this, it's, decade, it's like centuries <laughs> it, of.
1: It, yeah, it, it is uh, since really uh, my great-grandfather Sam was a dentist and he started exploring this stuff in the 20s. And in the book here, it talks about a guy named Arthur Findlay. Yeah. And, and he was a medium in England, mm. and he was very good at it. He mm. brought channel forth many, many entities. And he used to go to the theater, and he'd be sitting in the theater, mm. just try to watch a movie, and then all these voices would come yeah. from where he'd been channeling. And the people mm. around him would go, what the, what, 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 Shut up, man. What?" what, 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 up, man. what he brought the entities with him. I thought yeah. that was a very funny I, but story. But I've
0: was i been here sitting with you for 10 minutes, and I've i have heard at least a dozen entities.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Who's the him? best one is <laughs> July 1932, Elliot Ness and his untouchables. Rico, Rocco. You know. That's a good the best. The best one is Robert Stack, though. Yeah. Lee, Rico, bring around unsolved mysteries. <laughs> a man walks down a beach. A pebble hops up at him. Who's inside the pebble? You're channeling. I loved him. Now, we've lost a great man in Hollywood recently, Kirk Douglas. Yes, uh, 103. Uh, too young, too young. Too uh, young. <laughs> <Do you? laughs> my dad's ninety-eight, and he goes to me. No more, no more. <laughs> um, Kirk uh, and I uh, shared a movie set. I was f- honored to have made a film with him. John Asher directed it. Yeah, John Asher is kind of Hollywood royalty himself. You know, yeah. his mother was Elizabeth Montgomery, right. and his father was a producer and and writer. And uh, John directed this uh, this this film. What was it? And it was yeah, called right. Diamonds. Hmm. and uh kirk played uh it was about you know the sunset sundowning syndrome and alzheimer's and i had i played a son his son who had yeah. to put him in a home eventually oh. but there's this scene in there where they where he insists on driving you know and this oh, he is did. funny he, yeah, he was, he was, he was in his oh, mid 90s yeah, <laughs> you know, oh, right. so we take you know, he goes he sits in this car and he's yeah. i'm driving i'm gonna drive this scene and he, he was there he was and he Great stunt driver. Oh know. really? Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> on yeah. purpose. <laughs> I, I wasn't scared at all. I wasn't scared at all. But what a pleasure! Like it and I had my dad came on the set too at the time. So to have the two of them sitting five there, years apart, you know, having uh, a good time. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah.
0: So okay, but the the spiritualism and the channeling and uh, I, and also the idea that we don't question others' beliefs, but you would question others' beliefs if they had in, dangerous intent or violent intent.
1: <sighs> um. Sh- Sure. Sure. Of course. Of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, and uh, boy, there's enough malevolence in the world that we should be questioning Mm. what's what's going on, you know? Have you read this book, The Uninhabitable Planet? No, but I feel it coming. Yeah. <laughs> That's, how much do but, I need to know? I don't know. But in our time, it was the bomb <laughs> shelter. I mean, With me, I mean, I'm a little older than you. Yeah. You know, I remember when I was in primary school and I'm, I'm sitting there, and, and I put this in the Blues Brothers, by the way. They they showed up one day and they, they put up an air raid siren, mm. you know, right yeah. in the, right a pole right there. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that was the one that was on the top of the car. And the
0: funny thing is, retro, in, in retrospect, they
1: would have not been helpful at all, really. No, no, no. Because <laughs> by, by the time an ICBM yeah, hit wherever it was, yeah, you'd hear, it's over. it would be... <laughs> <laughs> Done. Mm. An ongoing. We lived under the horror of that, the nuclear horror, sure. right? you know, and uh, so that was what we were living under. And then there was polio. But you know, was, with the nuclear you know, horror,
0: you know, there was just a you know, they, there was a, at least a human element to it in terms of like that, someone's going to push a button. And, yeah. and with this
1: environmental L thing, it's sort of like I think the button's already been pushed, and uh, no one's going to take their <sighs> finger off it. So it's Until, different. Yeah, I mean, this guy's saying we reach close to two point eight degrees, and you know, we're going to mm-hmm. see planetary rises of of, of 10, 50, 15 feet in places. that so I think you know the real estate industry should be really on board yeah, with this. Miami, New York, they're talking about the seawall in New York. They've got it figured out in Rotterdam. You get the be,
0: beachfront uh, beach f- property in Nevada. Uh, yeah, or on second, 32nd Street. Too. <laughs> yeah. So so you're in Canada, you're not going to be a priest. You're, you, you know, When do you start sort of getting involved in uh, uh, the comedy?
1: Well, I all the way f- how about grade 10, grade 9, grade 10, grade 11, yeah. class. Yeah, sure. You know, in sure. class there's yeah. me and another guy there. Yeah. And no, no, that was bad. That. And then, uh, then I I did plays and I did uh, sketches and yeah. stuff. You and, did sketches uh, in, in in high school and yeah, all yeah. throughout high school and, and- in college. I was in a. Uh, performing group um, and was uh, you know one of the one of the minor players what in group there. was that? it was at Carleton University which is a very good university in Ottawa. Do you Canada. know any of the fellows that was in the group with you now um, I haven't seen them they went on to great careers Did as directors they? and, and uh, yeah directors and and, uh, and and there were many good actresses there went on to great careers in, in uh, Stratford and Shakespeare up in Canada no kidding because yeah.
0: I was just i didn't realize like I was recently shooting a movie in Hamilton. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, I yeah. love that town. Well, it's, I love that hammer, yeah. man! Wow, great people there. When was the last time you've been up? Dead, there? In, dead infrastructure. You know, uh, no, it's a, but, it's. But I didn't thriving there was such bar a, scene.
0: Uh, uh, there's a thriving something scene. No, no, it's cool. They're trying yeah. to come back around. They're yeah, trying, you know, interesting. It's, what, it's, what, I was mm-hmm. there. Uh, well, there's a a, a pretty big. Film uh, industry that's spreading sure throughout has. Canada, of course. And Hamilton's made itself available for for those shoots. Were you shirts. playing a steelwork? No, no, I was playing a, a record A&R guy, A and R guy, a PR agent. What's the
1: film? I'd be very interested. It's about to see that.
0: Uh, it's about uh, David Bowie's first trip to the states.
1: Oh, neat. Okay, yeah,
0: well, it should be interesting. A small movie. Who plays Bowie? Bowie is played by this guy Johnny Flynn, who is a, mm-hmm. a popular uh, English uh,
1: cool. songster. I recently played Jerry Wexler in a movie. Oh, yes. no kidding! I knew Jerry, of course, because he was when we were at Atlantic with Blues Brothers. I knew Did Jerry you, and, yeah. and Ahmed and Neswe. and they were um, all alive yeah, then. Was when friend, was that? Uh, the eighties. Ah, 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 I know Ahmed good. I know well, well Ahmed, Ahmed, Dan. But time. Jerry was more like this, right? Jerry talked like uh, like yeah, yeah, this. Yeah, right? yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, you're great. Wow, <laughs> so that's fun, man. Playing parts like that. I played uh, I think uh, I played James Brown's manager in, in Get On Up. Uh, oh yeah, uh, I remember. Uh, I remember. That's right. You were kind smart, of uh, yeah. yeah.
0: But the, the reason I brought up Hamilton is I had no idea that it was uh, such a big comedy uh, sort of source. Mm-hmm. I mean, didn't Ivan go to Ivan McMaster, go to Marty Short? Yeah, they all Eugene come from Levy, there. Right. Eugene
1: Levy, Marty Short. Um, Marty Short's brother is a great writer, of course, and uh, and Ivan Reitman. Yeah, come out of the, yeah.
0: And I had no idea when I was there. I was sort of like, this place is falling apart. But yeah. yeah but then people were like, it's got an amazing history. It does.
1: It does. Well, the, the university is very strong there, and uh, you know. But you didn't educated, go there. I didn't. No, I went to Carlton. But I like I like the hammer because you know I love dead technology and uh, dead technology. Though, you I, love, I the love the look of it. Rusting I think it's very, vats. Yeah, cinematic. Yeah, know, oh, that of cinematic Look, it's great. And, you know, there's
0: a. Have you been there? I performed out there at. Uh, it's a place called the Steelworks yeah. in, in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. which was a the giant. Bethlehem. The uh, they, Bethlehem turned into a mall. Yeah, well, it was. It's actually an art space. Yeah, yeah. Like, and and you perform, and behind the the stage, it's all windows, and there's the dead steelworks there, Bessemer and they, furnaces, and they
1: light them up. That's right. They were, of course, those were Carney, Carnegie's furnaces uh-huh. and, and and Phipps and those guys. So you're fascinated with the uh, dead uh, technology. I'm well. I'm also fascinated with the Industrial Revolution and just uh, you know how fast it's gone from coal and coke and rail steel yeah. production like yeah. 1880 to now yeah how fast we've heated up the planet and i think oh yeah that, that's what that's what fascinates me is the yeah, speed and, of that and, that, and uh, the speed of
0: innovation too. sure and it's so it's so exciting that, that we have other nostalgists uh, who are currently in power that seem to think that coal is a good idea again
1: well you know there is a way to do it and the way to do it is you've got to have a scrubber on there that just eats up all of your profits so you're 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 providing energy to the consumer and you're burning coal to do it but there's no profit in it you've spent it all on your scrubbers now if there's a company that's doing coal out there willing to do that to go out there and spend all of the money so that it's clean still in business for the consumer but any profit that's out of it uh, goes to keeping the scrubbers going. I think it's it could be feasible because yeah. a lot of countries need power. Yeah, yeah, and uh, in nuclear power scarcity, how do you uh, feel Ger- about it? I well, I'm not. I'm mixed on it. Mm. Um, Germany has removed all of the nuclear plants. Mm. Um, we've got, but we have a leading environmental uh, cause advocate, uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr., saying you know nuclear may be a choice. Mm. We do have it in Canada. We've never had an accident. Uh, Three Mile Island was uh, an interesting occurrence. Then Fukushima, pretty bad. Chernobyl, eh? You know, you had cows dying in Pretty Oregon from, from, from the fall. Pretty bad. Did you watch the show? Did oh, you watch the series? What a beautiful piece wow. of television! Wow. No and kidding. Acting man. And wasn't right. everybody was Fucking perfect. Incredible. And, oh, just beautiful. Yeah, just beautiful. Man. I love that. So, I love that. That was so great. So you're doing. So when do you meet Lauren? Like in Canada, I saw you. Yeah, you, interv- you interviewed him. Well, in in 1960- You did two days with Lauren. <laughs> in ni- yeah, did you? Yeah, yeah, well, pretty fascinating. One of the probably the greatest impresario of our time. He's something, for, for, huh? Yeah, but and, I mean, you know, Saint knew- Michael's College, University of Toronto. That's uh-huh. Lauren. Uh, I was, uh, I I went and. Uh, Went to the CBC with a, with a, a friend of mine and yeah. a partner, Valerie Bromfield, and we went together. We, we had some written, some material as a team, and we had a cable show in in, uh-huh. in Ottawa.
0: It's my belief so, that any talented person, will, if you stay in Canada, will eventually get a show.
1: I, I a government-sponsored yeah, exactly. show. That's what I mean. So that's yeah. what we were looking for, yeah. a government-sponsored show. We showed them our We had a show called Change for a Quarter. It was 15 minutes of comedy. We brought the tape in. It had a handle on it. It was a full inch wide videotape, like the size of it was a foot across, yeah. a full inch wide at a handle. Mm. That's how big. The, the, so we brought that in and uh, showed it to a few executives. And they said, well, you know, it's not really our kind of thing here on this floor. <laughs> but downstairs, there are a couple of guys putting together a new comedy thing. Yeah. And it's new people and it's young. The Lauren Michaels and Hart Pomerantz. So we got an interview. Yeah. And Lauren hired Valerie and I. For a summer TV special called *The Great Canadian Humor Test*, so in 1969, I was not still out. I still wasn't out of college. I was still at Carleton. Uh, He hired me that summer to play old men, basically. Yeah. I I don't think in one character was was over. You know, was under 40. So, what was your impression of him like uh, immediately? Loved him immediately. The brilliance, the wit, the fun, the sense of uh, being guided by a, a true mentor with. Massive knowledge of, uh, you know, the TV uh, comedies of the 50s. Oh, yeah? Yeah, of the Catskills. Of, yeah, and of the, the cat skills, and the what was Hart like? Hart was funny. He was a lawyer. Oh. Yeah, he was yeah. funny. And uh, Lauren had shoulder-length hair and a, and yeah. a zapata mustache. Uh-huh. And, and Hart was, uh, and they did a, an act together. And one of their components was the Great Canadian Humor Test. Right. And Valerie and I were on there. So that's when I met him. Then uh, a couple of years later, I'd been at Second City. and uh, I You were at Second I, City? I was at Second City. In uh, Toronto? Yep. 70, 71, 72. Who was the crew? Uh, Radner. Yeah. Uh, Candy. Yeah. Uh, O'Hara. Yeah. Levy. Uh, yeah. You know, Jerry Salzberg was brilliant. Rosemary Radcliffe. Uh, wow. Martin Short was in and around there with. The Godspell kids, uh-huh. the Second City and Godspell kids, and so the yeah. kids from Godspell kind of migrated over that, to Second City, and, and that and was, was the first production of Godspell. It, it was. was pretty famous. Yeah, yeah, that's what Now when I met those kids, I was driving a mail truck, and and I was on the radio at City TV. What Lauren got me that job as well. He did, but you weren't working for him. Uh, not 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 at that point. What so, were you doing on the radio? Uh, I was a shot box announcer. You know, doing like a fast uh, fast rap kind of announcing. You know, so, and, so it's it's part yeah. of your blood. It was. I worked for Moses Neimer at City TV. I was a game show announcer and a, and a, and a, a, a commercial announcer. In 69? Uh, 70, yeah, 71. And then mm-hmm. I drove across country in 72 in my Slush 6 uh, Chevy Biscayne. Yeah. And we drove from uh, Toronto to New Orleans to Tijuana. Or, who? Uh, my friend uh, John DeVicus, yeah. the artist who uh, designed all the Ghostbusters stuff. The, oh, yeah? Yeah. Still uh, around? He's still around, the Viking. Yeah, he's good. We drove across and we stopped in L.A. and Lauren put us up at his suite at the Chateau Marmot. When and he, he was out stinger. here writing for it's Lily Tomlin Lily and, and 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, Lily Tomlin and and uh, laughing. Yeah, and he said, uh, Dan, I'm going to uh, I'm going to reinvent uh, the live television of these fifty. He put you up at the Chateau. He put me up in his room and uh, sad prophecy. And we we were there and uh, John and I. And he told yeah. us he wanted to do a Coldgate Comedy Hour and the Sid Caesar show, and he was able he was going to recreate it in New York on stage where they did it, and he was going to do live, and he was real smart. He, 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 when they offered him a pilot, yeah. he said, no, no, I want to do seven. And he said you were in? No, not exactly. Um, no. He, said, he, he said, I want to, you know, you just telling me about the concept, and I'll sort of I'll call you. Then I did, I did have to audition a couple of times. I was not accepted right away. I did have to audition. Even though I knew him and I had a history, I think part of the problem was that Belushi and I had met and we'd already formed like the Blues Brothers and Where'd some other meet? ideas. We met at uh, my five o five club, the little speakeasy that I had. You had a speakeasy. And I had an after hours club in Toronto.
0: In Toronto, five o five Queen when, Street. While East. you were driving the truck,
1: uh, after time? this is Second City time. He came over uh, to to Second City to raid us for to raid uh, Gilda for N- Lampoon, and I met him that night. And we who oh, John John And We'd cooked up yep. We'd cooked up the, the 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 Blues Brothers by the time we got to our Saturday night live audition. Did he and, know a lot about the blues? Not too much. He was more into heavy metal, but he was from Chicago. He told, had been all to all the great places, had er, heard all the great artists, but he was more into heavy metal,
0: A hard rock at that time. I would and think, that you know? stuff, Grand yeah. Funk, and oh uh, yeah, oh
1: yeah, he loved the you know Grand Funk and Cream and all that. But so, Lauren was afraid that we we'd met, we already had the Blues Brothers concocted. Well, he, he, he didn't want a cabal. Lauren looked at the two of us and said, "Uh uh-uh, oh, that's a trouble. power base that might be trouble." There.
0: Now, you guys, though, like when you like first going back with, to the Viking when you drove
1: to, New and Oregon. it was trouble. Of course. Immense trouble. How could it be? Look, gray hairs on Lauren's head are probably single handedly caused by (laughs) John and and I, or maybe Chase.
0: Chase, yeah. I mean, he still causes uh, gray hairs for people. But, um,. So, when you go across country, you go to New Orleans and stuff, you're stopping in to see music, and you, is that part oh, of the journey? Sure. Jazz Fest, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Rockin' Doopsy, man. Love it, right? Clifton Chenier, oh, uh, yeah. Beau Jacques, the Zydeco. great Zydeco players. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love oh, that yeah. stuff. Professor Longhair, got uh, love great song. Dr. Many time, John. Song many times, many mm. times, yeah. yeah. Tipitina's Club, yeah. Yeah, you love it, right? Oh, uh, love You've been to New Orleans? Mm,
0: I've been there. I haven't done the music thing. Much. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. you and John, so, you, uh, was it great. love at first sight, or how did
1: that work? That's it, pretty much. Yeah. You walked in the back door. It was a blizzard night. It was the February night. You know, we were doing the set yeah. of Second City, and we were backstage there, and the door p- flew open, which directed, which directly uh, uh, accessed the alley yeah. there, and it was a step above the little pit where we were working in with our costumes and that, yeah. and, and John appeared, he opened the door, and there was a silhouette there. And yeah. he, had, he had like a hexagonal driver's cap on, and he had a white cable knit sweater and a white scarf and a pack Of cigarettes and a butt going, and you know, sneakers, I'm totally underdressed for Canada. Yeah, and he came in, and of course, that was you know, and then he did this. He did the set, I think he hit the wall for us that, that <laughs> night and everything. He know? got on stage and did the river, oh, yeah, yeah, he, he he hit the wall for us, I think. Yeah, that, night. that was his famous thing of coming from running from the front of the stage, hitting the wall, and then sliding down. That was his famous like, thing. Well, everybody did it, well, everybody did that it. That was a bit. Sure. that was a bit yeah uh in tino and santa did that i mean many people hit who the were the, who were the
0: like when in your recollection of second city at that time who were like the improvisers that you just
1: everybody was like holy shit oh well murray yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. murray oh god and flaherty joe flaherty oh, and yeah. brian murray you know Hell yeah brian uh, you know bill's brother very funny. What was it about Bill? Because he doesn't like he... Uh, danger, 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 man. You know, a high da- voltage. Uh-huh. You know, the hurricane. Wow, you never knew what was coming next. You uh-huh. know, it could be verbal, it could be physical. It go, just <laughs> beautiful, beautiful excitement. What yeah. about and Candy? Can- Candy was lovely. He yeah. was a lovely improviser because he was so full of so much heart and soul and wild doctor tongue. You know, and yeah. uh, and then in Tino and Santa, his his beautiful uh friend and yeah. partner you know oh those were those were great times great strong women too yeah yeah gilda and mm-hmm. uh yeah, well, yeah she was, rosemary radcliffe yeah. Catherine O'Hara. Oh, okay, uh, Catherine! So yeah, yeah, and Betty Thomas who went oh, on to direct a yeah. uh, sure. Broadway. Betty Thomas. Yeah,
0: and, um, yeah. And that was quite the crew. Did you were you involved in the
1: Lampoon Hour as well? Uh you know what? Um, I guessed it on a record. Yeah, uh, produced right. by Chris Guest. I I played drums, and I think I did a. Was that a, the Lemmings record? Uh, I think it was. No, it was the another Lampoon. Lampoon record. Okay, yeah. but you see, that's why John could come up to Toronto, and he did succeed in getting Gilda to go back down to New York to work on uh, Lem- on or, Lemmings or, and yep. work. And we'll work on Lampoon Radio and, and their records and that. But I didn't want to leave Toronto. I had a good racket going, man. Would I had the 505 speakeasy. Speak because what was it? At, so- Well, everything closes at 1 o'clock in Toronto, yeah. did at the time. Yeah. Where's a streetcar driver or a cop or a waiter or waitresses or somebody off duty? Where are they going to get a drink? Well, we supplied that for them. When we left, there was a wall high. Uh, there was a, just a wall of bottles that went up seven, eight feet high. So you just, what, an all-cash business all selling cash, liquor? yeah. Yeah, we did that. We did that. And then, uh, and then I had Second City, and yeah. I had a radio business with Dave Thomas. So we were didn't doing want to radio go. Com- I didn't want to go. I had a radio commercial business with yeah. Dave Thomas. I was at Second City and I was on a, uh, a, an afternoon uh, sitcom for kids called Coming Up Rosie and I had the speakeasy. He had all these little but, hustle, so the, hustles the, going. I, I didn't want to move. I, radio, was, I was set up.
0: Yeah. You had a radio ad business
1: or it was almost like- oh, Yes, radio ads. We so wrote radio just, ads. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So companies yeah. would come to you and go- That's we, right. Yeah, write us a 30, write us a 60. Uh, so yeah. for Canada, you were doing great. Doing great. I was making more than the prime minister made one yeah. year you know how
0: old were you 22 21 uh right about that yeah and so what what eventually
1: gets you to go to new york snl final the final offer okay Uh you're in so i uh i there was a wonderful actor and improviser named ben gordon and Mm. i remember i had to pick something up at the the fire hall where second city ended up yeah and so i pulled up on my 1971 XOPP uh harley davidson flh Uh, With the saddlebags all packed, and I get uh, in front of the building there, and Ben Gordon's there, my buddy, and, you know, he's like the last person to see me before I go off to SNL, and I wave to him, and I I hit the highway. Yeah, on the bike. On the bike, and I'm riding down the highway down high, high, over 90, then the highway 81. Southbound on 81, yeah. and I'm driving along, and I'm thinking, wow, the future's ahead of me. This yeah. is wonderful, and I'm on the bike. Right. And then I see a station wagon full of, uh, like a family passing yeah. me, you know, and yeah. and, and, and they're, they're passing me, a, and they're waving. Yeah. <laughs> <And> they're waving, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, and they, they, Now, this is before yeah. I'm known or anything. Yeah. And then another car goes by. It's a young couple in a sports car, yeah. <laughs> and they're pointing at me yeah, and waving. Yeah. What the? And then in the third night, by the time I look back at my saddlebag, I'm full on fire back there. <laughs> There's flames. <laughs> I had an old chessboard, you know, in my chess set. It was yeah. a cardboard chess. And it hit the muffler. It was burning off the muffler. It a yeah. canvas s- saddlebag. And that thing, it, was, it looked like just rooster tail of, of yeah. flames. Like, yeah. I, I looked like a rocket car. Yeah. So, geez, I pull over and a, and a couple of bikers, they were from the Breed Motorcycle Club. I rem- I'll remember that yep. because I wrote a paper on bikers in college. but. Uh, and, you did? Uh, what did you write? What was that about? Uh, well, just the the society, the culture you know? of it. Was oh, yeah. it
0: before? Well, I, no, because Hunter had already written *Hell's Angels*. Well, then,
1: Eve Leving is a great reporter for mm. the, for that. There, but but uh, but the breed. They gave me some oil and they hosed me down and they sent me on my way. And then I pulled into Manhattan or to the George Washington Bridge. It was about midnight. And I come across the George Washington yeah. Bridge and all of my electrics cut out on the oh, motorcycle. On the Harley? On the Harley. All uh, of the electrics cut yeah. out. And uh, there's no breakdown lane on the George Washington Bridge. No, there, yeah. there is no. no. You do, do, don't have a place to go. No. So I had to unwire the front, the headlight, and go out with pliers and a screwdriver and rewire the thing with oh. transports whipping by. Oh, thanks. So I get into the uh, I get into the city and I don't know which way I'm going. I just take the first exit. I end up in the depths of Harlem. And one-way streets with people yelling, hey, one-way, man, one-way, (laughs) one-way. And I'm driving. Finally, I get downtown, and I I get to a a bar, and I see a bar in the West Village there, and there's all these beautiful Harleys all lined up. And and I pull at the bar and I am back in and I go in and I look and there's guys dressed exactly like me, black jeans, black, you know, leather jacket, leather jacket with, with neckerchiefs hanging out of their pockets, different colored neckerchiefs (laughs) coming, you know, I've got a a red one there because changing the the oil and I go in and I have a beer and, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and they, one of them says, "Ah, police bike and we're talking bikes and everything. And then I say, I, I get some change. I call John and I say, uh, so John, I'm down the street here at this bar, uh. You know, and he says, what bar is that? That's the one on the corner with all the motorcycles. Yeah, that's, that's, that's like just, that's the heavy metal gay biker bar of the city. Yeah. And uh, I said, yeah, well, I'm, I'm here and I'm in a beer and i he says, so, well, come on over and, you know, it It was, I, I looked just like all those guys, you know, and, 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 and in the end, Harley riders are Harley riders, man, we're just talking about bikes and stuff and. And so that was my sort of first welcome into into Manhattan. Yeah. yeah. And
0: so what what how did it shift that, you know, how did Lauren decide to put you on the show?
1: Uh, I think basis of the audition tapes and, yeah. the, and some writing pieces and um, an appeal, a last minute appeal from three people. And they would have not have, I would not have been on there if they weren't for the lobbying of Gilda uh-huh. Radner. uh Tom Davis and Senator Al Franken the three of them lobby they say you got to have Ackroyd they got it yeah know, yeah yeah
0: him. when you started when I talked to Lorne and I've talked to Al Franken several times as well it, it seems like that uh, you know it, it was sort of a very um, uh, engaged ensemble of people in terms of the creative process that that first season was like just crazy right staying up all night working shit out
1: we had a schedule it was this but I don't know if it's the same there now Um I'll get to the what I feel about the show now and it's just nothing but enthusiasm and joy. It's been so great But we uh in the Monday we'd pitch the ideas Tuesday. Go away. Think about them write them uh, Wednesday block Wednesday read them through rewrite them Wednesday then shoot them uh, For blocking Thursday and Friday then three shows on Saturday basically a dry run dress rehearsal and show and the thing was we just all gelled we just there were frictions and everything but we understood each other's humor even though we came from different worlds you know yeah yeah yeah, And uh, it was just, we appreciated each other's gifts, you know? The brilliance of Schiller and, and, and Zweibel and Michael O'Donoghue. Michael O'Donoghue, you know. man. I You know, it's like that guy, like he blew my mind when I was young.
0: Because I was like 13 when you guys were doing that first season. You've got about 11 years on me. So like he was really fucking with my head. And you know, anything o- O'Donoghue would do,
1: I'm like, what is this guy doing? Precision writing. He taught me discipline in writing. He taught me, really? he taught me pre- precision and, and format and and laying out beats you know he was he was really uh he but was he was really like his
0: humor, humor kind of cut deep and dark and out there man right oh yeah oh uh, yeah absolutely but you kind of do some of that stuff too i remember like I, I i that stuff like landed in my head so hard that first season bassomatic was that yeah. first season?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know that that's dark humor. That's it's just, not dark, uh, that's but it's something. just like, how did that happen? We got letters. Happen? We got letters. About the fish? You can't put a fish. You can't do it. <laughs> you, you know what? How could you do that to a fish? Well, the fact that I met her, I was, I was t- uh, 10 years before. I was 13 years old. Yeah. I was at my aunt's house. In, uh, in in Quebec there, near Montreal, and my, yeah. aunt, my aunt was the Julia Child of Canada. Oh, really? Her name was Helene Goujon, and she had her own shop, her own uh-huh. radio show, TV show, uh-huh. cooking show. Was the first, uh, she's she, your aunt? She was my aunt, yeah. yeah she's deceased now. Got a wonderful woman. She brought the first Cuisinart into Canada. And so one night, we're sitting uh, at her place on the river near uh, Montreal, there, and, uh, and I see uh, the blender going, and I yeah. see her pop a whole trout into the blender and hit the button. <laughs> I said, Aunt Helen, what about the eyes, the head, the bones? Goes, oh, it's a bouillabaisse. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's supposed to be in there. It's supposed to be in there. What? And that shot. I was what? Whoa. so later. And the French 10 use years later, They use everything. They, they use. And yeah. she hit the blender, and the thing liquefied. So ten years later, I'm with Lauren and Paul Simon and Chevy yeah. Chase, and we're having dinner at Elaine's. And uh, you know, and they say, well, you know, they're talking. Oh, he's cooking that fish up there. And he said, I hope he uses a bassomatic, You know. Yeah. And what was, you know, and, and, uh, you know, yeah, that's where you put the, and Basimatic, somehow Paul, he laughed at that. Yeah. Yeah. He laughed and he laughed and he was doubled over. I think he lost like, you know, lost (laughs) it. And I thought, Wow. You know, Paul's one of the most brilliant people alive. Yeah. And, and if I can get a laugh like that out of Paul Simon, I'm writing yeah. this thing up. Right. So I wrote it up. And But it seemed like you guys were having a fucking great time. We were, It was hard. It was video commando time. You know, there was a lot of stress. And, uh, you know, it, was, it, it got to a point where I had to kind of Get a little upset there and I was because we were we were writing the show and then the card people couldn't keep up. Now the th- show is red. Yeah. If, if you're going that fast, you have to have cue cards. And, why they, did, what, and they were coming to me and saying, Dan, we can't take these pages from the writers at the last minute and, and put them up. They just won't get up there. Yeah. So I led a little revolution and you know, and we, wh- we were wh- able to slow that process down. Let me ask you a question though. You, know. Since you were know, the front, like the, the cards have always been red and and you know, why? Because you're going fast, you're you're cutting five cameras, and you you, you and the cameras cut on cue. They cut yeah. on words, yeah. And and also you're you're moving fast, and uh, and you've got you not know, enough time to memorize shit. It, it doesn't it, help. Some it, well, it helps to memorize, and people do memorize, and I memorize. But you know, when you got to go to the cards, they're there for you. Yeah. They those guys and and ladies, they're they're just heroes on SNL. They're beloved, and they're just it's a sharpie on a card. But boy. You know, if you're doing a rap that has to go fast, or if you're doing update or something, yeah. it's just it's just a boon to have them. You know, yeah. teleprompters don't work because because the they, the card holders they're they're human. They, they have control. They, they, they can and hear they you. can feel the yeah. rhythms. Right. They can see you said you they, right. they can they feel when you're going to get to the end of a line. and The card is whipped away. They can yeah. feel when you're approaching the top of the line. You're at the middle of the line. The card can be moved. They feel the rhythm of the whole piece, and they, you know, they they get that about the actors. Really a wonderful interplay, yeah, and to make it happen. But when you and like it
0: wasn't like you were on camera with Belushi a ton that first season or the first two seasons, right? Mm, but you guys were yeah.
1: pals, right? All oh yeah. In, and did you share a dressing a writing room or did you share? We shared a we shared a room with yeah. bunk beds and a couple of desks. Yeah. Oh yeah. We shared a writing room and and then I was living for almost the whole of the first year well let me say at least four months with john and judy so yeah (laughs) they let me stay at their place (laughs) oh that's great yeah she's still around right oh yes judy's my partner and in blues brothers uh stuff and yeah yeah she's in town here just saw her yeah yeah she's doing all right she's doing okay yeah she's doing okay i mean you know that was that was a tough thing they were high school sweethearts
0: i know and it's so like when when you guys are working together and you see the culture that's sort of happening there uh, with drugs and whatever, but you never—you weren't that one in your bag, huh?
1: Well, I mean, back then the greenie was plentiful. Yeah. Right now, if we lit one up, I'd—I'd I'd sneeze. Uh, the ironic thing is the terpenes that give it the taste yeah. it, is what I lo- used to like about it. But if I—I—I'd I, like I, I would be sneezing here. You wouldn't believe that th- I'd be so loud. The weed too sne- much now. I, I, well, I would. The terpenes uh, produce some allergy. In yeah. me, ironic, oh, really? ironically, you know, because yeah. back then, um, never was. You know, back then it was. Kind of fuel, the greeny, but yeah. never was into the coke or yeah. the or the uh, the powders of the pills. That wasn't yeah. my thing. Booze, um, has I've, I've never had a problem. Yeah. I was I'll always been able to moderate uh, my my alcohol consumption, and uh-huh. I am in, in that business now. I have a vodka line called Crystal Head Vodka. The Skull and, Head. Uh, the Skull Head. Yeah. Now uh, my uh, my brilliant um, manager, managing partner, yeah, uh, Jonathan. He went to the Schulich, uh, Schulich School of Business at uh-huh. York University uh-huh. in Toronto, wonderful. Yeah. Uh, he said, you know, come on and uh, go on and mark show and talk about the head, talk about the head. Well, I'm not going to talk about the head. Um, no, no, <laughs> just to wind him up. Well, I, yeah. I will say that it's it's Crystal Head Vodka. It's the zero additive vodka. If you want to have a vodka... It's the cleanest one on the planet. I know brown spirits are huge. Every bartender and bar chef uses brown spirits, but every bar has to have a, a vodka, and why not Crystal Head? You pay a little more for it, but it's only 32 cents more a shot. Here are the notes. Sweet vanilla dry crisp with a kick of heat off the finish. That's all I'll say. Moving on what to aviation. The,
0: what's the foundation <clears> of the vodka? Is it a potato or a rye?
1: Um, or? Well, so as you ask, uh, it's a. we have a corn oh. and a an, sunset wheat. Uh-huh. What makes my vodka difference is we don't add glycol. We don't add sugar we don't add uh, terpenes, we don't add any lemonine at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, We just have the good old Newfoundland water which comes from the glacier that melted into the province and it's sitting underneath the province and we have a pipe that goes down into a well and up it comes and uh, it's, uh, it's just beautiful. I didn't realize you... vodka's a Russian word for water. So if we start with good water, <laughs> we yeah. get there. Yeah. I didn't realize you could make vodka almost out of anything. Y- you can grapes, dandelion, rice. Um, oh well, yeah. Potato. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Turnips. Uh, yeah. yeah. But we like that. Our corn is a, uh, it's called peaches and cream. That's the brand of corn. Yeah. So, uh, it's called the peaches and cream corn. It's nice and fat and See, really juicy. you in- really involved it so. from the ground up here. You go to the place where they make y- it. Well, as that? Y- yes. I, I, I've been twice. I've Got to get back there. I've been in, <laughs> traveling the world selling it for them in Newfoundland. Uh, yes, Newfoundland, Canada. Yet you know the people there talk with a beautiful Irish accent. They're lovely, lovely people. I've never been
0: up there. Here it's beautiful.
1: It is spectacular, yeah. and uh and it's just a colorful, wonderful place. People walk down the street; they're not in their phones. You yeah, know, they're sure. not. They're they're holding hands. They're talking yeah. to each other. Yeah. So we felt that uh not only That's the water, but from. the love of the people. They make it. So I've traveled the world selling the thing. I have no problem. I'm able to consume uh, safely, uh, but I encourage anyone who does consume to do so moderately. You know, I mean, I make a I It's just like I make a Ducati. I do. I make I make the best uh, vodka out there. I believe, and Ducati believes they make the best motorcycle. Ducati makes a motorcycle that goes 200 miles an hour. I make a vodka that, sure, after eight shots, you're not going to get a hangover, but I don't recommend drinking that much. You know, it's <laughs> that uh, clean. Well, huh? it is because there's no glycol. it. Yeah. we're doing well with and We're having fun, and we're meeting some neat people. And again, we are encouraging sobriety everywhere we go. Well, that's a question. That's um, sort a of nice segue. Is like you know when you saw John starting <clears> to get out of
0: control, <throat> was there just no stopping him? I mean, I'm you know I'm a sober guy. I've been sober a long
1: time, so I know the deal. Mm. But were there attempts made? Was it? Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, many, uh, man, yeah, yeah. We we flushed a lot of coke down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> we intervened, uh, but he'd wriggle away from us, and uh, all through it, uh, you starting know, starting when uh, it would st- it it started basically in the. The first year of the show, but mm. he'd been exposed to it before. That yeah. was the currency of the generation. Yeah, back sure. Then. No, I get it. Yeah, it was the yeah. The blow was the currency of the yeah. generation. Yeah, and a lot of people were on it, and um, he loved it, and he did. That was what kind of got him, got him going, and yeah. uh, and he just had an the addictive personality, and uh, so it's a prolonged uh, heartbreak. Uh, you yeah, uh, have you know not well, being able I to. Think, I think of him all the time, especially when I go into a house of blues. I think of him all the time because here we built these beautiful blues palaces for yeah. music and fun and he's not how many there are there still it. around uh there's 13 still yep, yep yep it's owned by live nation the yep. great concert company and uh, that was the and, first yeah. big uh, that was a huge business thing for you well i learned sounds a lot like you've always been a business dude <sighs> well uh, i tell you you know you go into show business even at second city going to the cabaret or working for cbc yeah you have to negotiate your deals you have to know your value yeah you have to manage the money when it comes in Um, you know, I've always, you know, it's, it's show business. So I've been in show business a long time and it is a business, you know, you broker your talent, you work with an agent, a broker, and you put the product out there and, and, and sell it. Um, you know, so it's kind of, you know, my, my dad worked for the government. He, he did not have a a business sense, uh, yeah. In terms of uh, doing that, but, but it seems like you always did. You run <clears throat> a speakeasy for cops and after hours. That coming. was beautiful, man. The five o five. It's still there, five o five Queen Street East. Yeah, what a spot. It's still a speakeasy. No, no. I think some lawyers are in there now. Oh, oh. yeah. So, yeah. but uh, but it just seems like you know, with the House of Blues deal and and sort of the you know, the vodka deal that you like making the deals, you like doing the thing. I enjoy with the people that I work with because of the creativity, how smart they are. Um, the, the the crews like the House of Blues staff, man, they're amazing. They love working there, and then these creative people I was involved with with Tigret and yeah, and all the people that founded it, and then the fun yeah. of going to, for instance, the House of Blues in Vegas with the greatest view of the Strip yeah at the how uh, the Foundation Room at the Mandalay Bay sure going there, hanging there, ordering a vodka, having fifty people for dinner yeah, you know friends and partners and thinking wow, I mean didn't elvis live like this uh-huh. didn't frank sinatra live like this you know staying up till three in the morning yeah. going to shows playing shows playing a concert with jimmy and going upstairs and partying at the three in the morning at the yeah. nightclub that we have an ownership in yeah. you know drinking fluid that we're making it wow how grateful i am yeah. thank you yeah, it's great I, I was you have a great life i was most certainly we all do living in the western world we, we sure born in weren't the you living hit.
0: out in nantucket for a while
1: uh, Martha's Vineyard. Martha's I, vineyard. I, uh, that's my primary residence oh, in still the there? U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see my dad a lot in Canada because he's ninety-eight, as I yeah. said. But but you love the, and, uh, the vineyard. Love the vineyard. Love the vineyard. That's yeah. great. It's yeah, like a, it's like that's its own ecosystem out there. It's, its own be- world. I love the Northeast. I love I love the history in Boston. I love. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. It's love the, just, and the terrain up there is pretty. Yeah. No, yeah. it's beautiful. Love the, the coast.
1: coastline. Yeah. Up in up into Maine, even it's great. Beautiful place. So
0: so you're on. You did SNL for like four or five years. Four years,
1: seventy-four to seventy-five, and then we wrote the Blues brothers and we had to leave to complete the blues Brothers. So oh group. so John was there that long too? Yes, yeah. 74 ch- 75. Well, he ch- he left to do Animal House, so he was there f- gone for a few months. And Lorne uh you know, John left to do Animal House. They offered yeah. me the part of D-Day yeah. and I I just I just couldn't leave ultimately I couldn't leave Lorne short-handed with a not short of a writer and yeah. short of a I knew it would I knew that he didn't want me to go in a, in the a worst way and I yeah. knew it would hurt the enterprise a bit. And I was—I knew I made the right decision there. I knew Well, it was nice. Absolutely. Did Lauren appreciate that? Uh, all the time, man, to this day, absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: so, okay, so you then you and John put together the Booze Brothers. We true. did, and we couldn't stay at the show be- then because we were shooting. The shooting went over into the fall in, uh, For the first in Chicago, movie. and then we, then we went over into the... Yeah, I went over into the, you know, kind of fall and then, you know, kind of winter into the, so we had to be in L.A. and it just was time to leave, you know. And, and that you know, was huge, right? The Blues Brothers did okay. It was a it was a box office hit uh, and uh, went on to, I think, uh, some people credit it with reviving the careers of these great artists. Who, me and Duck w- and uh, oh, well, Matt Guitar Murphy. Mm, and, yep, and, and, and Aretha and Aretha, Ray, and, who were recording and yeah, performing, but sure. it, I, it helped boost it with an audience that might have been... Uh, less familiar i think was and cab
0: calloway cab you?
1: calloway and james brown yeah, became one of my james best Brown's, friends yeah. i mean or i i call, i say oh <laughs> i don't know if you thought that about me but yeah. i certainly thought that about him uh he opened five nightclubs with us and uh-huh. uh he did two movies three movies with me dr detroit uh, and um uh, the uh, first blues brothers and the second were so able to have a real relationship oh with that we guy. had five yeah i went to his birthday party in augusta georgia and and hung with him uh, many times.
0: So yeah. once John was out
1: here, and you kind of went your own way. You, you well, John died in '82, right. after the movie. So that was kind of a blow, and I didn't know what quite what to do with that. With that, but uh, but I then re- I managed to, you know, pick things up. And I remember and, and, the picture and of and you, the leading the procession, right, right, on the bike. Yeah, it had to be. That had to be done. I mean, it had to be. Like okay, just like that was such a. Pop- John loved Harley's. We loved riding together. So yeah, yeah and you know, a powerful image, dude. Sure, sure. That was a, t- was a tough day. Tough day, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was 33. Oh,
0: my God.
1: Yeah. And, and when I do, born in Chicago now, I sing the old Nick Gravanitis, Paul Butterfield tune. I I love that song. I <laughs> sing that song, and I say, and my second friend went down when he was 33 years of age. And the one thing you can say about that boy, he made the front page. Yeah. And he was on all the front pages. I had to run from uh, from our office where I was working on Ghostbusters and typing a line of his. And I get the call from Bernie Brillstein that he was gone, and I had to run. I remember it was a brilliant March day, severe clear, like yeah. they say in aviation, and I ran. And I, there was the news. It was just hitting the newsstands. I had to run to Judy to let her know before anybody else did. That was a long run. I ran down from uh, Fifth Avenue and 23rd Street all the way down had to she Mort- heard Morton Street. she heard no, no. I walked in. She was just getting breakfast, and I, I, I had to tell her. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I that's guess kind it's... of we all, you know, sort of. Oh no, we all sort of. If he knew, he, knew he was kept going. It might go like that, but there was always a hope that he, he, he would, he would, you know. Yeah, of I dude. think if he was a, alive today, he'd be a a director on Broadway. He'd be doing f- theater. Yeah. He'd be he'd be yeah. He'd have a production with theater production company. He'd be, he'd be doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, you know. Back to the, you know, the work of the hard, nitty-gritty actor, you know, he, yeah. he loved that.
0: I, I was in college, my freshman year of college when it happened, I was devastated. I, I, I loved the guy. I didn't know him, but I was a big fan.
1: Oh, it was fun. We'd, we'd, uh, we went up to Boston once to, to, uh, to sell the a, a record, the Saturday Night Live record. We yeah. went on radio on that. And yeah. We're driving around the town. We pull over to a, pull over to a, a corner, and there's an elementary school there, yeah. a four-story elementary school. And yeah. A, and John gets out, and he goes to the front window. You know, yeah. and uh, and starts doing, you know stuff and people start recognizing him and then second floor, third floor, fourth floor. He had the whole school screaming at him at the time <laughs> by the time we left the yeah. the place, you know. Yeah. And his performance in Animal Animal House is outstanding. It's great. And his performance in the Blues Brothers oh, is meticulous. Meticulous. When he says to the guy at Co- Bob's Country Bunker, yeah. uh, "I, uh, <clears throat> of course, will be paying for those beers. I, I usually sit in the car and and write the check out on the dashboard. <laughs> you know, uh, I will be right back. You know, it's just a master, <laughs> master comedian. Yeah, and to get, seen, to get to know him and be with him for eight years. What, what a privilege and a pleasure. That scene Carrie Fisher under the, in the tunnel. Oh yeah. Oh, that's great. We lost, we lost her too. That, yeah. uh, that was a, that was a complete shock. What a brilliant, wonderful. person. Yeah. Oh, you used to be together, kind of. We were going to get married we yeah. had blood tests rings the whole thing and uh and we fell deeply in love and and then you know then uh we left the blues brothers set and yeah. we, we took a learjet yeah john and judy and uh carrie and i and we yeah. flew to martha's vineyard in the middle of the night and, and i was going to show carrie the home where we we're going to live forever yeah. this is where we're going to live it's we I just bought this i had i told judy just buy me a house there yeah. i don't care if it's on the ocean just as long as it has Nice views. Yeah. So Judy said, "I found a house. Yeah. It's not quite vineyard style. It's not Cape Cod." So we pull up to this house in the middle of the night, you know. <laughs> yeah. And there's Carrie, and I'm sort of almost carry her over the threshold, yeah. don't take a But we get inside, and it, it's all kind of. It looks like Fred Flintstone's cousin built it. It's got you know stone fireplaces that, but fine. And and then all this modern kind of Eames furniture and stuff. And. And I don't know, it just struck her as wrong, wrong, yeah, wrong, right, you know. Right. And I said, uh, well, apparently there's a beautiful view, a beautiful view. And the night went badly. And the next morning, I hear her on the phone with Paul Simon. And she said, I got to go back to Paul. I have to, yeah, I got to go. So I drive her to the airport. It's. I wake up at 9.30 in the morning. She, she wakes me up. And I, I go, to I get in the Jeep, you know. And, and it's fog is set in around this house. And, and so I drive her to the airport. And finally, the fog clears. Yeah. And the plane's able to take off. She says, oh, it was great. Thank you. I'll, I'll call you. We'll be And you know. She flies back to New York to Paul who you know she was with after that Paul Simon yeah and I go back and I'm wow well, I, I loved her and I, I'm a little broken hearted but it's kind of I maybe this is best for her and all of us <laughs> yeah. and I drive back in the jeep to the, the vineyard house and by now the fog has lifted and I get to the top of the hill and I find out that it's a 1959 Usonian house de- de- designed by Hideo Sasaki it's a beautiful oh, glass paneled walls uh huh and it looks out over the sound, and there's a, like a hundred mile view, and yeah. you can see the sea from everywhere, from five different angles. Yeah. And I thought, boy, if she'd seen this view, I don't think she would have left in the morning. <laughs> we might have gotten married, you know. <laughs> yeah. 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 Do you, is that the house you still have? Yeah. Yeah. I live there. My uh, live there. You know, when I can get to it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, my daughters own it. They own everything now. I give oh, them everything. Oh really? To. Oh, of course. How old are they? I've got a daughter, Danielle. Uh, She uh, records and performs uh, and is a writer and performer. And then I have a daughter, Belle, and I've got a daughter, Steli, who's my writing partner.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you still seem to... You show up in things and, you know, the Ghostbuster franchise is still kicking.
1: Yes, they haven't shown me a thing because uh, you know this they the know I'll one? talk about it. The uh, third one, yeah, yeah. They uh-huh. they haven't. I, I'm saying, show me some stuff. Some nope, nope, no because no, no, they know I'm going to be bragging about it. But uh, we're getting excellent feedback from those who who uh, who have who have seen it. Yeah, and who are what's who your
0: involvement in it? Just as a producer, or how does uh, that work?
1: I was uh, I was uh, well, let's say major cheerleader because it's you know it's the it's the old family franchise. Sure, uh, I suggested. Some ideas uh, to Jason. Yeah, and uh, did a little writing on it, but it was basically. Did him Jason in... direct the last one? No, no, that was Paul Feig. Feig, right? Yeah, the women's movie was really funny. Yeah, and really good, and some great ghosts, and a great villain in the end with the red bow tie. I just should have been watching this, the Dollars and Cents more as a producer, but in on this one we did watch the Dollars and Cents. What's the angle on and, this one? And just this sh- one, this one transfers the DNA of the first two movies to the to the third group and uh and jason's written in and it's really really good uh, jason and Bill. Yeah. and so i uh i showed up to uh, play a part uh he he, he wrote up uh, some scenes in there which uh, helped feed the story so mm-hmm. i agreed to uh to
0: now to jason know, so. like is he uh, someone that you saw grow up from yeah. being a little he was baby on the set yeah he was on the. he's in the <laughs> second he's
1: in the second movie yeah he's the one who gives us uh he gives a shit at the the uh, at the the, uh, the party, the birthday party. Yeah,
0: I've talked you to know? him and Ivan. I talked to Ivan. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was nice. So, like after SNL, and you do, you know, the big hit was like it was Trading Places, really, right? I mean, that was a huge. That, well, I
1: think that you know the
0: the, the I love Neighbors, the, by the way.
1: Yeah, that was a that was a, um, a Thomas Berger book that was adapted, uh, yeah. and John Apted and I kind of turned it into a screenplay. And uh, there's some neat bizarre stuff in there. We we should have uh, I don't know. We we switched parts. Maybe we should have just kept the. It was parts. just an odd movie. It was odd. The book was odd, but yeah. uh, but I I think. Uh, that character and John's character—he was so funny and cute. And that had uh, would it have made more money and done better had we switched parts back? Yeah. And if I'd been the villain, uh, if I'd been the meek guy and he'd been the villain, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Trading places—great collaboration with Eddie Murphy. And then we had the Ghostbusters movies and uh, sure, Spies now- Like Us, which was a wonderful uh, collaboration with Chevy and Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, with my wife Donna. Did you always like Chevy? Oh yeah, so I loved Jeff. Chevy, and I, uh, when we first met in New York, uh, got on tremendously. I loved him; he was so funny, and he was my biggest supporter. Man, he just he just kind of got what I was doing, and and you know he was always lobbying for me, and and was uh, behind what I was up to. He there was, was a uh, weird. Uh, he, he was very, very. He was an ally of mine. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because there was a weird like.
0: I, I, I was there bad blood when
1: he left after the first season. Nobody wanted him to go right. uh, because he was a big star on the show. And we felt that might hurt us. Yeah, Maybe there were some personnel that were happy he left, but yeah. I think that he left too early. I, I'm sorry he left. Now I'm even sorry he left. We'd have, had, we'd have had fun, but what did it get us? Murray came on then. Yeah, he, you see, Murray, and you knew yeah, him. And, from Oh back. man, we were from day day one. From when I got hired, yeah, it was like, can we bring Murray too? Yeah, and uh, and and oh yeah, Murray. Murray was introduced me to in Second City when he was my chaperone when yeah. I went there, and uh, Billy, uh, yeah. So he came on, and then look at the work he did. Huh? Are you still yeah. friends? I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are. We are. We saw each other on the set. Uh, GB there, and uh, yeah, we're 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 as close as brothers can be. Yeah, I guess. And brothers can sometimes drift and and be close, and, uh, but uh, no, there's never been a, a major rift with us. It
0: seems think. like your relationship with the SNL is not, it's not only nostalgic, but you
1: seem to keep up with it all the way through. Yeah. What I do hope, you think I of the show they... now? I love it. I think it's really, because
0: really great. Because you said you wanted to talk uh, about
1: really that. Really great. Uh, Kate McKinnon as the devil. That was, yeah, the, that was great. I was double the, the over how the writing is really, really sharp. Of course, they've got a lot to write about now. Yeah. Uh, and uh, no, I love the the cast members now. They're, they're really outstanding. They did a, Eddie was on there and they did a, a spectacular scene. About oh, that was the, something, yeah. The, uh, the uh, you know, the cake-making oh, contest. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that yeah was it was very funny. <laughs> I mean, really funny. Yeah. All I, funny.
0: Uh, it just terrific. Yeah, it seems like it goes up and down. It was so funny because when I interviewed Lorne, you know, Mm -hmm. I had this weird, uh, you know, agenda because I I had gotten as far in the audition process for SNL as to meet with him, and then I did not get the gig Uh many years ago. Uh So I wanted closure on that, and he was (laughs) he was nice enough to walk me through what he believes might have happened then. Yeah, (laughs) uh, which was great, but also he brought it to my attention, and I I think a lot of people do at my age. Where I said, you know, because your season, the first season or the first couple, it's sort of mythological. Like, it's a it has a mythic presence. You know, but in his mind, as a guy who's been walking those halls for
1: 40 years or whatever, and is a, it's like, that was a good one, but mm-hmm. we've had
0: other good ones. Like, oh, he no, no.
1: He's he's right there with them. I would say, you know, he's right there today um, feeling the same way he did about most affectionately and, and admirably about all. Yeah. He loves all his children equally. You think so? I and, do. And, I do. And what about the environment? All the way through. Like, all the way through. The, Every that... year, year, there's something there that... That is salvageable for him, and now he's on a real uh, triumph with uh, this magnificent cast That's that he's crazy, got. Right? That's crazy, Writing. Do you talk to him? Uh, yeah, I spoke to him. Uh, I was supposed to go in and do something there, but I had a another thing that uh, couldn't make it out. I, you know, couldn't get out of it. Yeah, but you guys are good. Oh, sure, yeah. Sure.
0: And that environment that that yeah everyone talks about either you can ha- you can either you can cut it or you can't. It's pretty. It's pretty.
1: Uh, it's pretty competitive, and uh, and it always immediate. was. Yes, yes, it always was. was. Um, but in the end, we all pulled together as a team and and uh, that's what that's what makes it work, you know, because yeah. there's a uh, there aren't that many dissenters, oddly, I, I haven't talked to
0: you know, the, mm, yeah. some people have chips on their shoulders, but most of the people that survive SNL think it was one of the greatest experiences of their life well i sure I sure must say so. yeah, yeah. and how how did you figure out that you might have uh,
1: uh the Aspergers? Oh, that's self-diagnosed. I don't I don't know. I've never really gone to a medical professional oh, really? about it. I don't it. know. I think that's probably uh, more, um, I don't know, some early trauma producing like Tourette's like symptoms. You had that, right? I had some early trauma. I had some trauma in, in uh, elementary school with a particularly abusive teacher. Really? I, I think that set me to where I, I got, you know, I, I do- you Did know, you tell your parents about it? Uh, they've sent me to a, a psychologist. I, I was in therapy, uh, between the ages of, uh, oh my God, let's see now, 10 to, to 15. What was the trauma? Um, a physical abuse, uh, with, uh, a ruler. Oh. Uh, uh, pointer. Uh-huh. Uh, knuckles. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. For For every day at school? Um, mostly. Mm-hmm. Catholic school? Yeah, uh, well, yes, it was. hmm and you feel that that triggered the, the... It may have, yeah, because I got ticks and I got you know and the barkings and and no kind kidding. of a, yeah, yeah, and it get really it set me off and and uh, you know I was a quirky little kid. Yeah, know, already. You know. What were the beatings for? Was he doing it to other kids? Um. Well, um. I won't say whether it was male or female. Uh, no, no, no. I Just was you? The, I, I was the one that was picked that year. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. 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 So and then you went to therapy and you Um you. Well you know, my, my well yeah going even going to that school, my, yeah. my here you know, the old story, oh when I was a kid, I yeah. used to have to walk three miles sure. through sure. the snow to get to school. <laughs> well, guess what? I did. <laughs> I was seven, eight years old. My yeah. mother would set me out the door. Yeah. In at at, at in the at seven eight eight years old, I would yeah. go at the back door into yeah. the woods, into the Gatineau Park. Yeah. Go down a path. Yeah. <laughs> where the timber wolves were howling. Yeah. In, in uh, like a half mile away, go up under the hydro lines, down this steep, steep, rocky cliff to a creek that was there, hmm. and that creek was one that my dad as the engineer had built for drainage. And I said, can you put a bridge there? He said, we'll put a bridge, but not where you cross. It'll be where most people cross. (laughs) So he did put a bridge there, but it was too far to walk. So I go down in the snow, and then I try to get across. And there was always like a board or something inevitably i'd fallen into my waist yeah then i go across this busy highway up into the neighborhood where the french canadian kids picked on me because i was english they try to grab my books they try to attack me by the time i got to school i was soaking wet traumatized and then i get in class and this person goes after me physically uh, wow so, you know, yeah <laughs> not a good day every day a shitty day uh, it was it was it was bad in yeah. that one grid that one year yeah so terrible, the- but I, I diagnosis. That's my own diagnosis. I got a lot of other things. I'm a. i am definitely know that I'm a. Um, I'm a heterochromiac uh, heterochromiac um, syndactylite. What I, is that? I know for sure. What is it? That is a person with two different colored eyes and webbed toes. Oh, you have the webbed I, toes. I, yeah, I'm one. There's seven billion of us on the planet now. I think there's two of yeah. us. Yeah. Two, two two that have both those things. Oh really? I don't know. Do you know. know the other guy? I don't know. <laughs> I wish My, I
0: could. It's just two people became priests out of five yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. thousand at the no, two no. people get the website so and the, the I, weird. I, eyes. I am I
1: know that I know that I'm not. That. Well, that's special. I know that I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> what else do you know? Oh, I don't know what else. What else uh, diseases? I guess I'm pretty clear. You're otherwise. doing good. Oh, good? Yeah.
0: So now getting through, like you know, talking about uh, you know spiritualism. What what kind of gets you through the environment we live on now? It seems like you're awfully busy, and you got a busy brain, and you're interested in a lot of stuff. I just
1: but... I'm trying to I'm trying to you know just trying to be as loving as I can to my fellow human being, and yeah. and I'm trying to recognize that every human I meet, even if it's just you know getting a burger across, uh, you know, in and out, uh, you know, that that's a person with feelings yep. and with, uh, you know, senses and that there's something going on in their lives. And if I can make a pleasant moment for that person, it, like sometimes I get people come up with selfies and that, yeah, I I, I got to, how can I turn that down? That's that's like, you know, this is a moment I want them to remember and go yeah. into the pleasant thing, what's going on in their life. I, I want to be treated that way. That's a great Christian value, be treated as you wish you, you should be treated. And, you know, I try to live my life that way. I'm I'm not a perfect man. I'm a deeply, deeply flawed human being. However, uh, I I think I'm on the right side of most issues morally and spiritually. And I look to not necessarily God, but I yeah. look to the cosmic engineer. Uh-huh. I do sometimes cast my eyes to the sky and say, oh, Lord, can I get some help here? Yeah. Uh, I believe that we can all call upon that as universal energy. Just open your top of your head to it and say, "I just need a little inspiration, a little help. Mm. I'm going through a lot." Yeah. Power of the universe, visit me. You know. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at uh, in terms of you know uh, uh, spiritual pursuit. Mm. I don't think formal religion has done us well. And so uh, I'm I'm a severely lapsed Catholic. Sure, mixing it up. But fascinated with the Vatican, of course, and Rome Ooh, and the two popes. The, and the deep magic. The new pope and the, yeah. The deep, dark magic. It, I went in there, there. It was one of the most frightening places. Dude, of there's frightening. A, lot of, a lot of dead wizards around. Massive a lot of, dead of the wizards. popes. And I'm thinking, I'm a peasant. It's 1598. Yeah. I'm going in. I'm yeah. bringing my grain in. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'll bring more grain oh. next year.
0: No, that's exactly it. Oh. I've said the same thing. You visit those cathedrals. You look up and you're like, oh, my God. It's, it, you, it's like... How is that not going to brain fuck you into believing? Those the design the Bat- of all. Vatican's not, the king daddy place of Va- it all. Yeah, I know, but like any of those churches in Italy, dude. Any yeah. of them. Yeah, they're they're all mind blowing. Beautiful, blown. beautiful, and yes, just yes, littered yes, with yeah. with the magical yeah. corpses. Yeah, and bits and pieces of people. Yeah, I, I, relics. Sure. Yeah. There's yeah. full on witchcraft in that religion all the time. Oh Deep. no
1: doubt, no doubt, absolutely. It's all oh, that's that's hoochie It's myth, and, hoochie and What are my and, presents? Are these my presents? Oh uh, yeah, I got a. a this is a Ray dance Ghostbusters doll. Oh thank you. And it's a real cute one. Okay, <laughs> thank you. That's uh, that's, <laughs> that's a neat little. Yeah, I love it. And then I don't know. Is this? I shouldn't give this to you because it's plastic. That's all right. But what does it that mean? But it is oh. well. It's it's a Stay Puffed. Uh, oh, that's great. Water with, that you can put ice cubes in. Oh thank but you. But nobody. I mean. Oh, gonna it's got the plastic. We'll, oh, what are we gonna do about plastic? What are we gonna do about plastic? Uh, so it's got you to, know, uh, I know, and uh, here's um, and your my family back. business. And Is- if you do play uh, a record uh, from time to time, I got an artist named Vera Sola, V E R A S O L A. She's a protest singer. I could call her, and she's written a song about the extinction of the black rhino, and it's oh. called Black Rhino Enterprises. And I know it's on Spotify. It's oh, on Apple. I'll check it out, Black <laughs> Rhino Enterprises, and all all her music on Spotify. And Apple, really powerful songwriter, crunch guitar composer, Mm -hmm. uh, Vera Sola, V-E-R-A, S-O-L-A, big fan of hers.
0: Great. I'll check that out. And and you consider the history of Ghosts, this is the
1: family business. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Mediumship through the ages. Yeah. (laughs) Is there? I'm not. A, I'm not gifted. I'm not a medium. I've never. channeled. You are. I've uh,
0: seen you do twelve. This. I've not never 15 channeled the thing except
1: uh, digestively. So no,
0: you've I mean. channeled things. You channel things all the time. Now, but that's the question. You see how how versatile you are at moving through voices and feeling beings within you, even though they're popular beings that we've all grown to love through other mediums and and their impressions. But yeah, is there a, an element of hucksterism in this? In this pursuit, oh Dan. yes,
1: oh there's oh it's pointed out in the book. All, all the fakes are in there too. Okay. All the hoaxes, all the fakes. Okay. Sometimes what happened is you know you'd have a very gifted medium like Eusebia Palladino. She produced ectoplasm, but then later in her life her gifts left her and she had to fake it. And that's uh-huh. that's what uh,
0: she what, produced uh, ectoplasm. She did. What does uh, that mean?
1: Uh, well, it's it's in the book there. Yeah. It's it's kind of a mucous viscous substance. It's like. Uh, uh-huh. Oh, so it's why it's, is it's the psychic, psychic snot, and can, in fact, yeah. I can tell you, no one knew what ectoplasm was before Ghostbusters One. Yeah. We we educated the world there. <laughs> Millions of people now know what ectoplasm <laughs> is now because of Ghostbusters One, and uh, we're going to get into it again in the in the third movie. All but. right. It was great talking to you. Yeah. Man. Well, thanks for uh, having me up in the tower here. Yeah, beautiful. man. Now we got to get down. Let me call the guy. Okay. You know what? Uh, next time, let's do it in the silo. You know, for sure. Okay. I and mean, I'll meet you there. I'd love it, man. I'll I'll rocket car in. Okay. Beautiful. Take care. <laughs>
0: Okay, so that was me and Dan Aykroyd. Again, you know, Crystal Head Vodka is available. And he's also going to be in the upcoming Ghostbusters Afterlife as Ray Stance again. Call your friends. Check in with your family. Stay connected to somebody other than just the information on your phone. Reach out if you're feeling too isolated and too up into your own shit. Or the darkness is uh, closing in on you, yet you're still well. Uh, Reach out, man. Talk to a a friend. Okay? Um, I will now play three chords on my Les Paul Jr. through my 53 Fender Deluxe Amp, 1960 Les Paul Jr. Pretty well cranked. And, uh, And I'll talk to you Thursday.